everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my good friend, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, what's going on? Oh, just um, feeling like a little fallish weather here today. I um, I woke up and I was actually chilly, and it's been a very hot summer, so it's uh, I don't know if this is a little uh, warning that fall is coming or not, but it's kind of nice. I watched some football last night, so it kind of put me in a little bit of a fall mood. What did you watch? Preseason NFL or yeah, huh. Patriots preseason. Tom Brady played last night. He always plays in the third preseason game, and then he'll sit for the fourth one and start the season. He doesn't play in the first two, and he only plays for like the first quarter. So, yeah, got a peek at my uh, my man there, Mr. Brady. Yeah, good. yeah, good. My uh, my son's Packers played last night in Canada for some reason. Really? Um, yeah, Ooh. I guess up in like Winnipeg. I don't know, but. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't play. He hasn't played the whole preseason, which I find a little strange because they've got the new coach. I, I thought maybe they'd try to put some reps in there, but eh, I guess they're just going to wing it. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, there's such a risk for injury. It's kind of stressful just playing any starter during the preseason. I think the preseason is ridiculous. I mean, maybe two games, but four. Come on. I'd, I mean, it's just a, a grab for ticket sales, but it's just so precarious. In terms of injury, you know? Yeah. 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 Like always, yeah. it seems like there's a lot of discussion about it. Like uh, both the things that you mentioned, like the the risk for injury and then the fact that uh, all these teams, you know, kind of throw the preseason games into their uh, season ticket holders bucket. Um, so they have to pay for them, but they're, they're clearly not really worth paying for. Totally not. And I, I'm sure a lot of them don't go. The stadium last night was not full at all and that's you know unusual in the regular season of course it's jammed but oh well we could debate the nfl all day long we could yeah lots lots to talk about there yeah but instead we've got some exciting stuff to talk about today because you've got a new study that you're working on right now it is the latest iteration of our ongoing security study uh that we've been doing i don't know how many um how many of them we've done so far but yeah, we stopped calling it the such and such annual survey, but it's yeah. been like 12 or 13 years, you know, going on now. And hopefully this is exciting conversation. This is, I think, maybe the earliest that we've discussed something uh, before it's published. Usually we, we tend to kind of do a recap after we've published it, but um, just based on the schedule here, we're, we're a few weeks ahead of actually publishing this study. And uh, the past few years part of the reason that we moved away from kind of the annual thing was we weren't always looking at the same information year over year. We would maybe change the focus. And so like two years ago, we focused really specifically on skills. Last year, we kind of focused on how companies are forming up their teams around security. And this year, we kind of took a step back and made it a little bit more general, just kind of tried to do a state of security thing. So mm-hmm. um, I've been crawling through the data, got some early data points, shared those with you, and we can give a, a preview of what we think is coming. Yeah, I, I read through this, what you've sent me so far. And, um, you know, it's it's clear that security and cybersecurity, however you want to phrase it, is a priority, if not the number one priority for many companies and firms, as it should be. It's an area of technology that pretty much covers all other technologies like you always talk a lot about and some of your other studies around digital orgs 
for example, about the holistic approach, you know, especially as we're building digital organizations. And it seems that security is really the fabric of that holistic approach that you have to apply it to every other area, whether it's back office or front office or whatever you're doing with technology, the security component has to be thought about. Yeah, and I think what makes it really interesting these days is um, kind of like technology itself is moving more into lines of business. And we see line of business people purchasing technology. We see them trying to implement it. We don't always see them wanting to integrate it. Um, That falls back kind of to the IT team. But technology is becoming more ingrained in business operations. And I think security in particular is becoming really critical to business operations. So we we talk about it as a component of IT. And for a long time, I think that's the way it was handled. Uh, A lot of companies would really just have security as part of the function of their overall IT team, especially the, the infrastructure part of that team. But we're seeing it now pull out more and more. And so obviously, you know, all the Fortune 500 companies, a lot of really large companies will have a CISO, someone whose entire job is looking after security, and that person will often have a team reporting to him or her. But the, the interesting thing is who that person then reports to. They, they don't always report to a CIO. Uh, sometimes they might report to a CFO or a chief operations officer or actually the CEO. And, mm-hmm. and I think that those models might start to make more sense than considering it as part of technology. Uh, and, and the more I've looked at security over the past few years, the more I almost begin to think of the function in the same way that I would think of uh, accounting or legal. Like it's just table stakes. You have to have it and you have to have some pretty deep knowledge and specialization around it. Uh, and, and I think that that's kind of the, the theme behind this report. Looking at this year's data and comparing it to previous years, it feels like there's maybe some positive momentum. There's been a lot of running in place over the past few years, and now we're starting to see some positive momentum. But we've talked a lot about a modern security approach and that it can't just be the technology. It's not just a secure perimeter anymore. You have to think about processes. You have to think about education. But I I think that that's not just something that companies can think about as like a one-time initiative. Like, let's put these things in place and then kind of set it and forget it. I, I think that it has to be much more of an ongoing thing. And, and we've always had some ongoing discussion when we talk about especially education, but I just think that security is so much a moving target mm. that this really needs the, the type of focus that a dedicated team would provide to it. Um, and, and that's what I'm gonna dig into, I think, as I kind of crawl through some more of the data. Yeah, I think if we've learned anything from things that have happened that we've read in the news, breaches and the like, is that you're right. Security is such a moving target. Is is it even possible that you ever get to a set point where you're like, yeah, we're good with our security? I don't think you ever get there. It's going to be a constantly evolving and changing item on your to-do list. And you're right, I believe. That means having a dedicated central team like you would in account the accounting office some sort of back office team that's just in charge of dealing with security because it is ever changing and uh, the risks aren't eradicated. You you almost, you know, you're never really going to be in a safe spot, so to speak. There'll always be something else that's out there that's ahead of where you are um, and needs to be constant. And I like that you emphasized, 
in what you've been you've done so far the fact that it isn't just about the technological um, things that you put in place uh, to secure your organization, but it is really a, a lot about process and it's a lot about um, getting the workforce up to speed. And you know that that's a constant constant uh, need. You know there'll be new ways to train people. Um, there'll be new employees who enter your organi- organization that you need to get up to speed. And then there just needs to be process put in place to make sure that people are doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I, I think that those two things, when you start thinking about building a security team, are, are what really start to dictate what that team looks like and, and who's on that team and the types of skills that, that you bring to the table. Uh, so I've got some data in, in this year's report about how companies might view their center of security operations. And, and I think that that topic is still so new that a lot of companies might be confused by it. You know, we we've, we saw a lot of change year over year where I really don't think there's been that much change in the market. So I think companies are generally confused about what that means and what that looks like. But the, the one thing that's been consistent is companies believe that their center of operations for security is internal. It's, it's based with internal employees. Mm. And, and I think that probably a lot of that is coming out of larger companies that have significant IT teams and, and they're beginning to carve out that security function. I, I think as this concept evolves, we're going to see maybe a desire to have some internal expertise, but the definite need to leverage external expertise as well. And in a lot of cases, especially for smaller businesses, use that completely. Like a managed security services provider is going to be the the center of operations there. And and actually in the IDC data that I collected, they believe that managed security services are going to be the fastest growing segment within security spending. Uh, So I think that's really good news for a lot of companies that are out there. I think the flip side of it is, and and this might be true for all kinds of technology firms out there, that as technology has become more important, as the level of technology awareness has risen, in the past it might have been okay to kind of know a little bit about technology, and even by knowing a little bit, you could outpace a lot of your clients and you could install things and get them up and running uh, to, a, to a state where they never could before. But I, I don't think that we're in that space anymore, especially with security. I, I think that knowing just a little bit about security probably isn't enough to be that center of operations and really driving all of the complex issues that come, especially when we move into like process and education. Yeah, well, knowing a little can be dangerous, Right. Right. You you mentioned the need for third parties for a lot of small companies because um, I was I was going to bring that subject up because a lot of SMBs obviously do not have a centralized um, security team they don't have an IT team a lot of the of these folks so understandably how do they deal with their security needs and um, they're either not doing a great job with it or they're looking to an external party to help them with it and. A study that I'm working on right now, which we'll discuss on our next volley, I believe, uh, is just my annual state of the channel study. And um, one of the questions we asked was, of, of the solutions and services that companies, these channel firms offer today, what do they, where do they expect the largest growth over the next couple of years? And it is, not surprisingly, in the security area. So this is definitely where a lot of the third parties are doubling down on the security services that they offer. And hopefully they have the breadth and depth um, of a specialist in security to be able to offer their customers not just a little bit of knowledge, but you know the full, the full array of knowledge. 
Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. I, I think a lot about the the smallest companies out there, you know, maybe, you know, 10, 20, 30 people. Mm-hmm. And if we're comparing security to legal or accounting, those companies probably don't have an accountant on staff or they don't necessarily have a lawyer on staff. You know, that that would come as you get up to maybe 100 people or somewhere around there. But they're going out and, and having a firm on retainer or something that's obviously got deep knowledge, you know, in that type of thing. So if if you start to think that security is similar to those fields, it doesn't quite track that you would go out and just get sort of a generalist jack of all trades IT person that would also handle your security. Like if it's that important, if it's that critical to business operations, it's going to have to be someone with that deep level of knowledge. Yeah, agreed. My fear, and, and this is mostly anecdotal, but I, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this, is a lot of very small companies don't feel that they're that vulnerable. They they read the headlines and 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 think about oh these data breaches and these things that are horrible that you know that that the malicious actors out there who are going after large corporations, they would never target me. But unfortunately, the large corporations can weather the storm. It's uh, if a smaller company is impacted, um, they're out of business. And a lot of I don't think they, that a lot of these very small companies think that way. They don't understand. They feel like they're not. They'll never be a target. And we had John Tippin on from Datto a few volleys ago, and he was talking about, remember, it's not that they're targeting these individual small businesses, but they'll target a managed services provider who is running the network for all of these small companies, and that's how they gain access to a large ecosystem of small companies that they can target. Uh, So I think there's a lot of education that has to take place so that these small companies don't feel like they're immune. Yeah, we, we've tried to talk a lot about the cost of security breaches, and we, we've tried to break it down using some data from Ponemon and, and a few other places to not just use kind of the average cost of security breach, which really gets skewed by the, the large companies, uh, you know, gets up into the millions. And, and, and that, I think, can tend to make a smaller firm think, you know, well, this isn't important to me. But if you get down to even just that per seat cost, and if a small company looked at that and said, okay, if I had a breach and I had, you know, this this kind of impact, you know, per seat or the, the type of impact on my revenue that that would be equivalent to, you know, these larger firms, I, I can't recover from that. Right. And I, I think that we've also tried to say that the, the data is important or, or it's valuable. It's, it's not just, you know, incredibly valuable IP that these cyber criminals are looking for. It's any type of data. And so I, I think we we see a little bit of appreciation for that with companies, you know, smaller companies starting to recognize that they probably have to up their game. I think then what becomes so challenging for them is upping your game in security, placing a higher priority on it, really embracing the complexity of security today probably means increasing your security budget. And not only is that you know really difficult for, for small companies to do to increase any parts of their budget, but it's just a completely different mindset from what technology budgets have been for a long time. Uh, a, a lot of companies have viewed IT as more of a cost center, and so they're, they're trying to keep that budget flat or they're trying to reduce it you know, as capabilities improve and, and still get the same technology out of a, a lower budget. But I think with security, that, that can't quite be the way that, that companies really have to start thinking about, you know, whatever percentage of annual revenue was spent on security in the past, that percentage has to go up and they, they have to invest more in building some kind of a robust security posture 
that, you know, to your point earlier, is probably never going to get there completely, but it has to at least kind of improve the level of satisfaction and it has to reach the the risk tolerance of the organization. Um, but it has to be a little bit better than today. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like this, like many other things, has to be a real top-down priority. Um, so you've got to get the business owners and the, the line of business department owners and heads to be the ones that prioritize security. It can't just percolate up from, from below. Otherwise, like you said, the, the, you know, the, the increasing the budget is just not going to happen unless it, it, it happens from top down. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about is because we've talked about this in the past on, when we discussed security was the element of human error. We're always talking about how bad actors are trying to breach breach your network and get your data and all of that. But I know you've found in many of your studies is, you know, well, one of the main problems with security is internal non-purposeful human error that just happens with employees who do stupid things. Is that something you still see as one of the main hurdles for uh, any company being able to feel like it is secure? You know, this like year... People, people gotten smarter, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, And I mean rank and file employees. You know, I, I don't know that, that they have. Um... I don't know that how much any of us is getting smarter about any of these things or, well, or how not. much we're actually doing with the knowledge, you know, like there's, there's always, you know, the data points out there about, you know, people retaining really weak passwords, even though they know that they're supposed to have pretty good passwords. One thing that I've been thinking about with this study, because we've got some data on how many companies are doing workforce education now, and I think mm -hmm. those numbers have, have definitely increased. But I'm, I'm kind of looking at it, and, I, and again, in the back of my head, I'm thinking about like legal and accounting, that you know, this is a business operations thing. And I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, how, how much education do we do around, around those things? And, and again, maybe there, the risk isn't there, that your rank and file employees can't necessarily you know, impact the, the, the accounting or, or the legal quite as much as they can create you know, a security vulnerability. But I, I wonder if companies are starting to see some diminishing returns on that because as many companies as are performing workforce education we still don't see tons and tons of companies saying that they feel like it's effective and so it, it may become a thing where you have to do it it's table stakes especially if you're going after some kind of cyber insurance or whatever you may have to provide that and, and show proof of that mm. uh, and maybe so, show some metrics around it but it, at some point I think it really becomes a, a risk that you accept. And, and again, as you're balancing how much money you're going to pour into this issue with the return that you're expecting to get out, it, it, you're never going to get to this 100% feeling secure. We think we've got it all locked down. There's always going to be some give and take. And I'm wondering if best practices are starting to emerge around workforce education where we can get a sense of how much education should go to the entire workforce and then based on job role, what specific pieces of education should go out, and then what tools should be in place to act as a backstop to any any mistakes that still might get made, because there's probably going to be no way to completely eliminate mistakes, but you can at least mitigate it as much as possible. Well, I think that just kind of brings us full circle to the fact that security is a moving target, and it will remain so, whether it's the you know with the people who work in your workforce, doing stupid things, or whether it is somebody on the outside who's trying to do a grab for your data, or 
whatever it happens to be, it's uh, well, it'll keep people employed who work in the security area. Let's just put it that way. So that's the positive, I suppose. Yeah, and and those people will will definitely have no shortage of you know improvements to their skill that they can pursue. One really interesting data point to me from this study, and I'll kind of close on this, is when we ask companies what is causing you to change the priority of your security, the the number one answer that we always see is a change in IT operations. Uh, and I think even even with that said, there's probably a little more room for improvement in terms of understanding how your IT operations are changing and then doing something about it. But the second reason this year was knowledge gained from training or certification. Uh, so, so companies are seeing that investing in training, whether that's you know workforce training or really deep training for their technical staff, is providing new knowledge that can then turn into new initiatives or new technology that you bring in or new processes that you build or something that helps improve that security posture. And so not only is the employee becoming more effective, but you're getting some you know return to the organization by investing in that skill improvement. Um, so I, I think that's something that we're probably going to run with you know quite a bit, uh, especially as we head into Cybersecurity Month in October, where I'm, I'm guessing for as many times as we talk about security on the podcast, we'll, we'll probably come back to it in October. Definitely. So in terms of the report, is that are you timing it for the month of October or will it be out, it'll be out before then, but we'll kind of promote it in October as part of Cybersecurity Month? Yeah, it will definitely get published before October unless you know the marketing teams want to hold it and do some kind of big launch. But I, I think we're going to try to get it up there and then maybe still do you know big promotion around it and uh, and use the data points in a lot of campaigns that CompTIA is doing. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I expect that um, certainly by the beginning of October, people could go to comptia.org uh, and it should be one of the first things up there on Insight and Tools. Uh, and so keep an eye out and go check it out. Sounds good. Can't wait to read the full report. Well, you have a great weekend, my friend. All right. Thanks for the chat. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye.